This is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast. The Modern Architect features one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. Our show informs and illuminates the transformation that architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. And now, introducing the host of The Modern Architect, Tom Dioro. Thank you. Today, we're joined by Peter Prescott, a University of California Berkeley graduate. Peter was rigorously trained as a CPA at one of the world's premier firms, Price Waterhouse, now Price Waterhouse Coopers. Peter homed his working skills with the Fortune 500 level companies like Baskin Robbins and Lloyd's Bank. With a master's degree in taxation, Peter combines the rigors of keen expertise in specific tax laws with the practical experience of real life implementations. His clients benefit from the extensive networks of tax, legal, investment, and other wealth management experts with whom Peter has collaborated with for over three decades. For more information, feel free to visit Prescott500.com. Again, that's Prescott500.com. Today's episode is made possible by Modeler, the rapidly growing community for AEC professionals to find and share design inspiration. Created and maintained by architects, join hundreds of thousands of other AEC professionals who are part of the Modeler community. Visit modeler.com and follow Modeler on your favorite social media channels for regular design inspiration. Hello, Peter. We're honored and real excited to have you on the Modern Architect Show. Thank you very much. Tom, it's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to share some ideas with your listeners. Well, I'll share with your listeners today some of what we talked about prior to your show in that uh, not only is Peter um, well-versed in tax and uh, uh, wealth management and investment, but also um, he's quite unique in that the... uh, uh, he has an extensive interest like in, in music and other facets of life. Can you share a bit of that? Your, just your personal interests as well, Peter. Well, I think it all starts with family, but you know, activities we enjoy are the performing arts, uh, certainly travel, expanding okay. our horizons. And I just have a keen interest in people, cultures, and where they're from, and just helps me be a good listener and kind of instantly connect with where what they might be experiencing or walking in their moccasins. You know, I noticed, Peter, even even meeting you, that you do have a, a sincere care factor um, about people, and it just it, your profession enables you to do so. Where did that come from? Is that kind of just your in your DNA or makeup? You know, I you know I'm obviously chose financial services. I lost my dad in high school, and I think part of that experience. Uh, culminated in my mom just being a lost soul there for a while and really making some bad financial moves after my dad's death. So I just wanted to bring clarity and direction and empathy to people in their life transitions and what they do in their finances so they can ultimately focus on what they enjoy and the experiences they want out of life. That clarity and direction, you've been doing that with three decades now? Actually, longer, but I'm trying to look a little younger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, can you share with our audience, without you know, giving away too much intellectual property, you know, how that clarity and direction impacts people's lives? Well, it gives them it gives them calmness. I'll give you an example. Like just knowing your financial affairs are in order 
You know, my wife is a special education teacher, for example, and every month she used to ask me, like, something happened to you. I'm, I'm screwed. I don't know where anything is, and you handle everything. And ultimately, I put together, a, you know, a financial plan and, a, you know, a net worth statement, and she never asked me another question. So that's a prime example of taking care of the loved ones and not leaving them in the lurch if something should happen to you. Uh, and also, we have a lot of empathy for people that actually are getting older in life where the discussions turn away from financial to health, uh, quality of life, and helping their family and you know the next generations down uh, take care of people at the end game. So you mentioned you're from San Mateo. I used to go to Redwood City four times a year for someone that would you know, was elderly and the visit was just to check up on him and, you know, help him with his food and meds, things like that. Obviously, is that outside the scope of your professional work? Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a passion, but that's okay. what people need from you. Ultimately, it's a service business and you care about them and that's what their, their concerns are about. You know, a lot of them have already won the game. They've saved enough. They've, they provided for all their life goals. Uh, at this point, it's just being good stewards and, and trying to, you know, relieve some of their anxieties. I like you said they've they've won the game. Can uh, an individual or a company or people start? Obviously, the earlier the the better. But at what point can you, someone really start over again? Or are you always starting over again? Well, I think you know every year you have an opportunity to be efficient and just you know obviously you're planning before you spend all your money the old joke about budgeting is i i bought everything i want i have ten dollars left and now now i'm in a budget my last ten dollars you know versus let's save up front and take care of the the necessities uh for our you know our future and our requirements and then you know budget our fun afterwards so that's something we look at but as a cpa i look at things objectively so I love about having a CPA as the backbone of my practice and my service is that I started with a consultative relationship with my client. You, you never come in and feel like I'm selling anything to anyone, right? Or even though I'm, you know, in, in securities license, I'm an investment advisor, I have an insurance license. Yes, there are products we use or we manage money, but it's a, it's a comfort level and an objectivity that we look at everything through an objective lens. And then we educate our clients to make good decisions, and they're really helping us implement at the end of the end of the process. So uh, we usually start with if I'm not preparing a tax return, we're starting with reviewing their tax return or doing an extensive, I mean like one or two hour objective financial review of their situation, very similar to going in for an annual physical or with a doctor, just to see if you can improve upon things or highlight or create the life steps, like what should I tackle? Gee, that's a long list of things I should do. Should I get a living trust? Should I you know, start saving for college? But we, or, we help you prioritize and knock them out individually so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Can you share with us, uh, Peter, without naming names, of course, or even companies, a client or a, co a client that may have come in where their situation is uh, they've done what you can, they've, they've already hit them out of the park for most of their life, but they still need direction as, as well as they've done. Have you seen those type of incidents where people have done very well, but they're just, uh, they're really hurting themselves just when not being Well, it's, it's funny because the, a lot of people that come to a financial specialist like myself are usually sometimes the most organized people. 
might sound weird. I mean, I, I attract a lot of engineers because we have a lot of technical skills. And so for those individuals, it's kind of like grading their homework, right? They've already written the term paper. They just want me to analyze it and validate to some extent. And we have answers beyond the few, first few cursory questions that a lot of advisors answer. But um, I, I have super bright clients, and I often mention to my, you know, my clients that you could do what I do if you've been doing this 40 years and you know, have master's degrees and work at it 60 hours a week. You could do this too. And they start getting the idea that they don't have all the answers. I had a, I don't want to get too specific, but I had a, a highly educated individual uh, a successor trustee come in and he had never, you know, finalized the trust that had been out and outstanding for 12 years, was still running them, didn't know how to make the distributions. And, a, you know, it's a very much a Pandora's box and we're resolving that right now by account transfers and, you know, kind of eliminating a lot of the tax concerns. So that's one area where you think about demographics of aging baby boomers and their parents passing away, you're thrust oftentimes into being a successor trustee and you have no idea what to do. I often say it's like becoming a new parent. You're kind of, I hope this goes well. I'm kind of doing it for the first time. And being a successor trustee involves having to know taxation, investments, account registrations, taxation of distributions and tax strategies. And it's well beyond the means of the mortal man, you know. Share with us, Peter, your experience in, uh, you talked before the show about being a pioneer in, uh, in, as a CPA and then an investment advisor and how you merged the two um, at, the, at the onset of the industry, really. Yeah, I was you know, a CPA and did audit, which I actually enjoyed because you travel on a team. And then I went to taxation to get that experience. And for someone who likes people and being outgoing, I was in a, you know, a, an office with no window and you know, sitting by myself with a project for 80 hours. And for some people, that's ideal. They love not having to have human contact. That wasn't me. So I went out into the financial arena in financial services and trained advisors. Yeah, I started in the tax shelter industry where they needed a CPA or an attorney to explain the complexity, but got involved with you know, investment mutual fund annuity business and, and traveled. And that's how I got my securities and insurance and financial planning degrees and designations. And then I'm was one of the first advisors then when all the CPA regulatory, regulatory bodies decided it was okay for CPAs to be in the investment business or insurance business or to work with clients in that capacity. So there was no conflict of interest. So I was on the cutting edge of that in the early uh, 90s at that point in time. Yeah. How do you always keep up with the complexities and tax, investment, because it would seem like it would change. It doesn't seem. It does change. It does change. Um, uh, but how frequently, and then how do you keep abreast yeah. of it? I well, I've always taken my continued education seriously. So I have approximately 80 to 90 hours a year of continued education just with my licenses. So uh, this last year has just been you know, exponential on how much we have to to learn and list all the government loan programs, things of that nature. But uh, generally, the insurance industry doesn't change too much. The securities, you're looking at financial markets, but it's really taxation that's driving the bus on a lot of change and innovation. And, you know, as much as we like to think there'll be tax simplification, if anything, it's gotten more complex. And, you know, I think 
I, I always I'm amused when people ask, say to me, you know, gee, I've just got a you know a five minute question. Well, there's never just a five minute question with the tax situation because it, the more you know, you know, it's all the exceptions and unique circumstances that apply to each taxpayer. Now, do clients ever approach you and just say, look, here's here's my portfolio, here's what I've earned, here's what I have, just do what you think, what would you suggest, and can you just take care of it all? Well, again, you know, starting consultively, we look at taxes. So the first thing we can do, if we can do something tax efficiently, you know, maximum brackets, you know, if you're in the Silicon Valley, we'll say they're over 50%, California and, and you know, IRS involved. So if we can do anything that saves tax is a guaranteed rate of return that will far surpass any investment return. So that's something we're always looking at if it should be tax deferred, tax free, uh, any deductibility we have with our small business owners. Uh, And choice of business entity is really large. And I know you have an audience that may have a lot of their own small businesses or S corps or LLC. So Choice of business entity and the allowable deductions and tax planning strategies are really important. Uh, but, you know, the backbone is putting together, a, you know, a financial statement for them as far as their assets, liabilities, and then helping them set their goals for in the background is their retirement plan that we do. And it's very dynamic and it can be changed and modified. It's not rigid. But uh, that's a big part of that. Is it's it's and it gives them comfort. I mean, a lot of times you'll have someone that has a comfortable net worth and they've got another hundred thousand that just came in, maybe, and they'll go, "Do I need to invest this for retirement, or do I can I give it away to charity or to my children?" Or those are the type of things we can help them answer by kind of running the numbers and doing something as you know scientific as called a Monte Carlo simulation, which is a Nobel Prize winning approach to giving them statistical probabilities of a successful retirement. What is a, is there a common problem or a common theme with new clients when they come in? Whether it's a, a, some, something they're just not aware of and you go, okay, every new client seems to always be stuck here. That's funny. That's a, that's a good question. I think it comes down to personal introspection on the client and a, and a personality fit. And so it's, that might not be the answer you're expecting, I think, because you're thinking more of a technical kind of situation. But for me, do they come with an open mind to want to improve? Or have they come from prior financial advisors where they have three or four and they've never wanted to share all the information with someone? And to have a a better result, that's the benefit of using a CPA as your financial advisor, is I get to see everything. I'm not trying to play games or have meetings that aren't productive just to get more information out of the client. I have all the information. So if the client then is open to having discussion and be honest with you, taking advice or or trying to implement. Uh, A lot of times, you know, the enemy is the client. It's their own hesitations or, you know, roadblocks to to trying to be open to to doing things. And as I've gotten older and I've been in practice longer, 
when I, I meet new clients, really the criteria when they're interviewing me to see if we're a match, it, I'm doing the same thing. I'm saying, is this someone that I think I'm a fit for? Because I'm going to try my hardest. I don't want to feel like I'm pushing up against the client and they're hesitant to give me information or hesitant to, to kind of move ahead. The enemy is the client. That's the first time I've heard, I've heard that. Is basically they're getting in their own way. Like, exactly. They're okay. getting in their own way. Yeah. How do you because negate it's very that? personal. This is personal finance for most people. Yeah, so it's very. Yeah, it's the ego, you know. And, and a funny aside to that, I'm just thinking about it. Is I've had clients for years that you know we're saving for retirement. They want to retire. Here's the day, you know. We finally you've hit that goal, and you can retire. You can retire tomorrow if you want to. And now the clients flip the script and they're giving you five reasons why they don't want to retire. <laughs> because if you think about it, it was just sort of empowering to know that they didn't have to put up with the job anymore if they didn't want to. But ultimately, you know, a lot of people enjoy going to work and staying mentally engaged and just, you know, being part of their profession and workforce. So this is fascinating. We're talking today with Peter Prescott, CPA, founder and president of Prescott Tax and Wealth Management. This is The Modern Architect, KCSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. For more information, feel free to visit the website at prescott500.com. Again, prescott500.com. Peter, if you're at liberty to share with us, uh, you know, some of your, you don't, again, name names, but uh, a challenge, a client just proposed to you, came in and said, you know, can you help me with this? Can you, can you share, go through a little bit of the steps of how you work with them without giving too much intellectual property? Well, again, it's, it's either we're doing a complete financial review of their situation, which is objective, and they have no obligation to retain us or continue with us, just so you let you know, so... That gives them a nice opportunity to, to kind of, you know, invest in us some time as well as, as do, we do with them. Or I do their tax return. And then that's a springboard for me identifying six or seven areas for improvement. And some people, we bang them out right away. And other ones, we might do one or two a year or depending on their age, you know, if, you know, they're older or something, we have a little more sense of urgency than, you know, they're younger and young business owners, things like that. How do you quantify the value of the whole package of, of services that you offer for someone? If there's, I don't know if I Well, on question. the CPA side, I, I bill traditionally as an hourly rate. Uh, and then the advisory side, we, we're charging an asset under management fee for assets we're managing. But if I'm just kind of doing hourly tasks, I'm billing hourly and to be honest, I, I kind of feel we're discounting quite a bit. I think we're in ex really great value across the board, but collectively, I think it's, it's a great experience. And I have, you know, some clients, probably high-end, $400, $500 million net worth. And then the other end, I have people that, you know, they can't really pay me and they give me a piece of art, you know. So it hasn't really, I haven't really, module you know secularize my practice into certain industry types or you know net worths or income so it, it really comes down to if i enjoy working with the person uh and you know kind of get something out of it emotionally a little bit too yeah on that emotion it's i'm taking a guess here but it sounds like you actually really like your clients we do yeah okay. intentionally yeah 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 and they're 
you know, it's funny because usually when I'm going out socially, I tend, I tend to be going out with my clients more than probably just, you know, friends sometimes, you know, because they be, kind of become part of their family and everything else. Yeah. What's that like to know that you're really helping them and their lives and their family's lives? It's great. You know, you feel invaluable. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier I was on email probably two, two and a half hours a day just answering little questions with people and there's a lot of connectivity. On that connectivity, if, if we, if, I'm going to touch back again on that being, a, 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 for lack of a better word, a pioneer in the field. How are you always at the forefront of what's uh, going on tax and, and uh, financial planning? Is it just because you have your own curiosity to look at? Uh, well, I, and I'm, you know, f- I guess compared to others, they don't have as extensive a background. I have a much broader lens I'm looking through. So... I mean, I've done group health plans. I've done large 401k plans. I have a lot of benefits experience investing. I go to industry conferences, which I used to present at. And so, you know, I think I felt a little bit sorry for my staff that are new because usually you go to work for a CPA firm or you go to work for an investment firm or maybe a benefits firm. Here, we kind of do everything seamlessly. So it's a little bit challenging sometimes that I, you know, we're kind of weaving in and out of different industries and looking at things at one time. But to me, that's that's the fun part of the job is that gyroscope that I'm looking at things differently. And we don't have a set way that we do business you know, for each client. It might, might sound weird because we're always thinking there's a way we can do it out of the box a little bit differently. And that's also interesting challenge for staff because I don't want them to pull out frequently, ask question 12, and always answer it a certain way or look at it a certain way rather than, you know, where are we at with tax brackets? What's the need for liquidity? What are their ass, you know, who their inheritors are? So we're looking at a lot of different factors. Yeah. And I like doing the hard part. It might sound weird because a lot of people just want to place business that generates revenue. We're kind of that missing glue, the connectivity between all areas of, you know, f- you know, financial planning where you've got someone who understands tax, investments, benefits, you know, trust management, things like that. Going back to that consultative service, is that by design? Well, it was only in the sense when I started my own practice, and I mentioned when I was traveling in my past life for 13 years, and I wanted to be home and stay with my family at night, and I started my own firm. I I didn't have any clients. I had all this great knowledge and and, and wealth of uh, skills, but I didn't have any clients. So uh, I thought the easiest way to really build a practice was as a CPA and advertise for you know CPA. Uh, small business owners and individuals and, and built the practice from there. But I noticed when people came in and referred to me, they treated me much differently when the relationship started as a CPA consultative relationship than coming in and they're treat, looking at you as an investment advisor or someone that can offer them insurance services. They, you know, they were kind of doing the buyer beware on the ladder where the CPA, I was getting all the knowledge and it was just a much different relationship, and that's why they say the CPA is the most trusted advisor in the financial services arena. On that subject of trust, obviously we know it's important. How do you build that into your culture? I just, I mean, that's kind of how I'm wired. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. I, 
I'm somewhat frugal. I like saving money. I like identifying savings. That's just, I think it comes across with people. And what's really, I think, different since we like people and we encourage them to come in and we like talking to them is we actually, if the return isn't too long on the individual side, they sit with us during the entire process. It's not like drop off your docs, maybe COVID has changed or sent us a PDF, but they sit here for two hours or maybe two and a half hours. We have a lot of dialogue. I get to know a lot about them. It's often the sidebar comment that creates the mental processes for me to think of different ways to strategize or to create deductibility or think of future deductibility or income shifting. You know, if you just get return for the current year numbers, you're not thinking what you know, they might not have told you they're laid off <laughs> and we're not going to have any income next year. So, you know, those are the planning opportunities or their kids going to get married or whatever's going on. So that trust, I guess my whole point is the people are here and when we're rolling up our sleeves and we're working for them and that's how you build it is spending time and, and building relationships. Yeah, I know you said rolling up your rolling up your sleeves. I got that up, just coming into your office. Again, that's a part of your culture. What ch- challenges do you see right now that weren't there, say, two or three years ago? Well, it's, you know, timing today, it's hard not thinking of inflation, right? I mean, the from the investment sad standpoint for my, a lot of my people looking at retirement is obviously the fixed income solution. A lot of them would like to get, you know, 8% tax-free, but it doesn't exist right now. So it's, you know, finding the right risk return balance for my clients and, you know, helping them manage their budgets to some extent. And people living longer. I mean, that's sort of the unknowns on the financial planning side. Uh, The tax side is just overwhelming right now. It really is with all the the last year. We focus so much on helping people get PPP money and government grants and, you know, restaurant loans and from the SBA, things like that area been very challenging uh, and it's an area that I almost feel like there's a lot of burnout on the CPA side I had two cohorts down the street hang up their shingles here recently so it's I think we're going to see more extensions I just think people are going to have to understand the whole process that it's an imperfect system the IRS is behind in their work uh, they the computer notices don't match with human beings and so uh, it's challenging. And I just think, you know, everyone has to be patient. I know, I know sometimes people get anxious in finances and notices from the IRS. It's just having a little more compassion for everyone. It's just everyone's doing their best they can. It's a very difficult system we're administering. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Peter Prescott, CPA and founder and president of Prescott Tax and Wealth management. Our acknowledgement today is for the Boys and Girls Club of America. Their mission is to enable all young people, especially those who knew us most, to reach their full potential as productive, caring, responsible citizens. Their commitment to inclusion is they believe every kid has what it takes. The mission and core beliefs of the Boys and Girls Clubs fuel their commitment to promoting safe, positive, and inclusive environments for all. For more information, you can visit their website at bgca.org. Again, that's bgca.org. 
Again, we're here with Peter Prescott, CPA, founder, president of Prescott Tax and Wealth Management. Peter, uh, on the subject of what's changed so much, is has there been more change recently in the last two or three years than, say, the last five or ten? Without a doubt. Okay. I mean, normally we might be implementing one new tax law. And keep in mind, if, for example, the Trump tax laws, if they wrote those, those might be implemented, not immediately always, but over two or three years, they get phased in. So a lot of bills get phased in over time. We had the SECURE Act of 2020, which changed retirement plans. We've had all these government, you know, COVID bills out with all the modifications. And when they write a new bill, it's from 20,000 feet, right? It doesn't mean you know how to implement it amongst multiple industries in the United States or individuals. So it's usually there's something called regulations or court cases that come out that give us guidance. Uh, that has been such a nightmare that we're now reading frequently asked questions responded to by the Treasury and trying to get guidance. So it's it's been a very modified system. I wouldn't recommend this for all my clients because I can't get out six or 700 tax returns on October 15th. But to be honest, with all these evolving tax laws, it's almost better to be on extension because we are just so much smarter August, September, October, when the laws get more clarified as people file returns and figure out there's a lot of problems than we are in February or March and having to amend. Prime example was unemployment income that people received. They had a provision last year that made it tax-free. That came out in uh, March, roughly, of this year, where if you'd filed returns in February, you would have picked it up as taxable. So there's a lot of situations, particularly for my small business owners that may not know how their income's looking for the next year. A lot of times it's you kind of prep the return, make sure you have money in the system, but at the same time, you might want to sit on your return just uh, to try and see if we get more clarity. And it happens all the time. Yeah, that, that sort of clarity that you're talking about, uh, I mean, I'm learning just on this on your podcast today about this that I, w- I wasn't aware of. How often does that happen with new clients where there's just so much information that they just so much, they may be uh, particularly skilled in their field of work, but they just aren't aware and they really need uh, that guidance? Yeah, I'm not trying to be passive aggressive, but you can talk to people pretty quickly and two questions down, they, they don't know the answers. They're, you know, it's in a TurboTax, if you're be honest with you, even if you're preparing your own return, perhaps there's an element you can get a return, you can hit print, but you know, some people are fine with that and they do an okay job, but other ones just don't have the confidence or feel comfortable that they do want another person signing a return and, and, and being comfortable with what's going on. And it's not only just federal law. Uh, California, for example, never really adopted many of the Trump tax law changes. So we have the California system, which is the old law, and then the federal is the, you know, the old Trump laws, right? It's their new Trump laws. So we have two different systems. So there's a lot of unreconciled differences that you have to be aware of in proper tax treatment. One would be mortgage interest, for example. You can deduct mortgage interest on a loan up to 1.1 million in the state of California. But for newer loans, the IRS uh, limit is a interest on a loan up to 750,000. So there's a significant difference, for example, on interest and deductibility of property taxes and your itemizations and things of that nature. 
you know, there's a there's a comfort level that obviously clients feel with you. Is that, you know, if you can say, what is your approach to every new client? Do you have one? Is there a set, you know, checklist that you go through? Or is it more yeah, mental? Yeah, it's, it's funny. When, during the tax preparation process, we do have a financial review checklist that, you know, one of that's one that the world telltale signs, and that's not really for your always your high net worth clients, but do you have you paying credit card interest? Do you have credit card debt? That lets me know pretty much right away if they're kind of, you know, have balanced books at their house, right? Are they constantly going in debt? Are they spending above their means? If I'm not going to recommend an investment if they're paying 16 to 18 percent interest on a credit card they'd be better off paying off their credit card debt, which has a guaranteed 16 or 18% non-deductible interest, most likely. So those are the types of little questions we asked if they put a trust in place. Uh, oftentimes we see their, their house not titled properly or their brokerage accounts, tax, taxable brokerage accounts. They'll have them listed as joint tenant accounts, which California is one of nine community property states. So you know, if you're in a community property state, you want to title your brokerage account or your real estate as community property because upon death, you get a step up in basis, not on the not only the deceased, but on the survivor. You get a step up on your basis on both, which can eliminate taxation. So there's a lot of kind of like, I won't call it rookie mistakes, but you think New York's the center of the Wall Street and the investment universe. They don't they're not a community property state. They're a separate property state, just like most of the states in the U.S. are. So those states use joint accounts. Everyone has their own separate interest. California, I see that mistake happening. To me, it would be malpractice if we didn't have a community property account, if it made sense. Of course, everyone would want to step up. So those are just things that we eyeball and see and you know can kind of point out to them. And that's, you know, and also we have a lot of small business owners, right, that we do retirement plans for, create deductibility, uh, stay within the, the context of the law as well. And also for the really closely held business, we clean up a lot of books where they think anything they spend is a deduction. We have to let them know that everything's good until audited, of course, but let's, let's do the right approach and clean up things and, you know. That actually, it's funny you mentioned new clients. I think that would probably be the biggest problem with new clients is I first have to filter out all the non-deductible expenses and finally get them on a good set of books and have clean records and, you know, really make them not an audit risk. Because the IRS audit process, you know, it's, it's an odds game, obviously, but when they come in and you're sloppy and you haven't done a few basic blocking and tackling things like you haven't prepared your W-2 properly for health insurance and a lot of our items, they can just come in and say, you know, Tom, I love you. You're a great guy, but I can disallow that $20,000 health insurance right now. You didn't follow this revenue ruling. And you're like, well, wait, that's not fair. Well, yeah, it's not fair, but it says you're here right black and white. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, if you let me disallow some meals and entertainment, a little less travel expense, I can get out of here for five grand. Sounds like a mafia holdup a little bit, like I won't throw the rock through your window. But that's the reality of audits, because a lot of times the IRS doesn't like to spend the time to go through all the books and records anyway. So if they come in quickly, you've got some sloppy records and you haven't done things that present well, uh, 
You've got a prom. You've got a prom for the current year and the two prior years that are still open based on statute of limitations. So we're doing things to make you not be the target uh, of an audit with a big adjustment. And they can just go down the street and find someone else that's sloppy, so they don't want to spend a lot of time there either. Peter, what else would you like to share with your audience before uh, we close your show today? Uh, well, there's a brand new tax bill out in California. It's Assembly Bill 150. And you might have remembered that when the Trump tax laws came out on your personal returns, that you're limited. It's called the SALT limitation, state and local taxes. You were limited to $10,000 if you're itemizing for California state tax if you live here your property taxes, your DMV reg fees, your SDI fees on your W-2 are capped at 10000 There's a new workaround out, which is that Assembly Bill 150, and a lot of other states in the United States have adopted this. It's called the pass-through entity tax. So what is a pass-through entity? It's an S-corp, it's a partnership, it's an LLC. So if you're receiving a K-1 as a shareholder or member, they're reporting income to you. Let's say hypothetically, I'm going to use a million dollars because the math's easy. It's a big hundred number. But let's say you own an S corporation and you have a million dollars of income and your S corp going to be reported to you for 2021. The S corporation is going to be spitting out a million dollars of taxable income for you, California-based income. S corp can withhold and pay 9.3%. I should say not withhold. I should say nine. we'll pay 9.3 for you on your behalf when you elect this, which is $93,000. They can send that to Sacramento, the Franchise Tax Board, and actually pay the income tax for you that you'd be paying normally on your personal return. Now, remember, you don't get to deduct more than $10,000 on your personal return, but the S-Corporation gets to write off state taxes at the S-Corp level. So the business can claim that deduction of the $93,000, and that reduces your federal income tax off that, taxable income off that K-1. So now it's a way to deduct over the $10,000. And if they're going to take advantage of it this year, you've got to be in touch with the people doing the accounting for that K-1 by December 31st so they can make a payment for you. If you didn't understand it, you talk to your tax preparer, you know, they have to pay it in by March 15th of next year. You have another bite at the apple, but that deduction would be on the 2022 tax return then. So. Excellent. Peter, it's been a real honor and pleasure having yeah, you on, on the show today. Insightful for people. Absolutely. I hope you consider coming back again. This Love is, to. This is outstanding. Yeah. It really is. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom DiOro. Our guest today has been Peter Prescott, CPA and founder president of Prescott Tax and Wealth Management. Peter is rigorously trained as a CPA at one of the world's premier firms, Price Waterhouse, now Price Waterhouse Coopers. He honed his skills while working with Fortune 500 level companies like Baskin Robbins and Lloyds Bank. With a master's degree in taxation, Peter combines the rigors of keen expertise in specific tax laws with the practical experience of real life implementation. His clients come from an extensive network of tax, legal, investment, and other wealth management experts with whom he collaborates with and has collaborated with for over three decades. For more information, feel free to visit the website 
at Prescott500.com. Again, that's Prescott500.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. Thank you. Today's episode is made possible by Modeler, the rapidly growing community for AEC professionals to find and share design inspiration. Created and maintained by architects, join hundreds of thousands of other AEC professionals who are part of the Modeler community. Visit modeler.com and follow Modeler on your favorite social media channels for regular design inspiration.